afternoon, Sarah Hepla. Good afternoon, Nancy Rommelman. It's like mid-November, and the other day I saw the first like year in review piece, and it was really unsettling to me. Tell me. It's like the year in TikTok or something like that. I'm not ready to be reviewing the year yet. Oh, that's right. It's like when you walk in and you see the Christmas decorations in uh, where we were at Home Goods. Do you know that store, Home Goods? Yeah. It's a store that my daughter and I, any city we're in, if there's a Home Goods, it's like, let's go to Home Goods and smell all the candles and look at all the things we don't need. But maybe we do. Maybe I do. Maybe I need that furry white thing that I don't know what to do with it. But um, yeah, I walked in, this was two weeks ago and everything's Christmas. It's like they got Christmas trees up at Whole Foods. It's too soon, you guys. You have to wait until after Thanksgiving and year in review stuff doesn't come out until December. And not until Dave Barry says that it's so. Do you have you read his his years in review? I know we we've had this conversation. You're like a big Dave Barry fan. I'm a Dave Barry stan. And actually, I've read two of his short um, fiction novels that are hilarious absolutely hilarious i can't remember i think one is called like alligator or something like that i love them both yes i love him and he's coming on the show sarah that's it okay okay and i'm sure he's like an awesome guy and it's like i just i have this like unreflected crankiness about him (laughs) that is like completely unearned but it's because he was basically a punchline for a long time for a certain kind of dorky newspaper humor and it was con- uh, like, and and also, you sent me his year in review last year. I didn't have the like, I didn't wait, have the no. like epiphanic experience that you did. But you know, I've also met the guy several times. Right. Uh, once backstage at the uh, Bill Maher show, and once uh, he came to the Fifth Column Guys live show in um, in Miami, Miami in. Uh, June 2001. And he's just, he's a really, really, really nice guy. So I could, you know, my, my view could be good, but I do, I find him incredibly funny. So, um, anyway, I would like to be persuaded. I love funniness. I love a funny person. So I, I would love to be one over to your side. Okay. So I will tell you that I listened to these two books I'm mentioning, whose names they'll be in the show notes. I listened to them on audio and he, I tend to not listen to anything on audio unless the author is reading it and he reads them. Sarah, I just, it's such a pleasure in this crazy world where things can be so overwhelming. You feel like the sand is coming in on you. All you're doing or all I'm doing is writing about Israel and talking about all this stuff and having rats, not rats, mice in my apartment. And then you could take a walk and listen to Dave Barry and have him make you laugh. I'm good, baby. So I will send you, because I love you, I'm going to send you a book of his uh, on audio and enjoy. Thank you. Enjoy. Yes, I will do that. Well, what are we going to talk about today? It's, uh, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you one thing by way of what we're going to talk about today. So last weekend, I was at the Texas Book Festival at the state capitol in Austin, Texas. And uh, so uh, so I was at the, uh, the Texas Book Festival in Austin last weekend, and that's at the state capitol. And the state capitol building is like a big, huge, like it's a big, you know, it looks like the national capitol, except it's made of pink granite, which is cool. And, you know, that morning I was out there in front, you know, taking selfies and talking with the people at the book festival. And the book festival is like a big, 
uh, it's really fun because it's thousands of people that descend on the state capitol to talk about books. And you're kind of sitting there going like, oh, my God, who are these incredibly dorky people that are so wonderful to spend their weekend doing this? It's very calm and cool. And then when I left my panel, I was moderating something. And when I left, I went out the back and I walked straight into the pro-Palestinian protest. That was huge. It was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently there were like 10,000 people there. And um, which is pretty big when you consider that it's Texas. And um, I hung out there for a little while just to kind of see what, you know, and, and at the time, you know, it looked pretty chill. I mean, most of the posters were whatever, ceasefire and, you know, what they, they did have a lot of those, um, you know, like the kidnap pictures mm-hmm. that we've seen. Mm-hmm. They had those, but they were of Gazan children and they said mm-hmm. murdered by Israel, mm-hmm. which, you know, that didn't surprise me. But there wasn't a lot of like crazy ass stuff, you know. Um, then, of course, I saw footage from later on TikTok that was like there was like a smoke there were smoke bombs and there was a horse and there, there was all sorts of craziness that went on at the end. Protests are weird, man. Um, they are not my scene. Do you, I, I'm curious cause we are going to talk about protests today. Mm-hmm. I know you've spent a lot of time covering protests. Uh, what have you ever gone to, to protest? The only protest I can remember going to, I was a teenager and I was with my friend, my other Sarah, my other beloved Sarah. And we happened to be like in Midtown and there was some sort of no nukes. I think it was no nukes. Actually, no, I've been to two protests. No nukes uh, thing going on. And we were like 15 in our, you know, carpenter pants and halter tops. And they're like, come on, come on, come on. And they put us in the front like marching for some reason. And we wound up on the front of the newspaper more, more Sarah than me. Um, but that was sort of just happenstance. The other, it wasn't really a protest, but there was a, uh, sort of, uh, pro-choice gathering going on at the Planned Parenthood in Burbank, California when I was pregnant. And don't ask me why I was there. I don't think I went for that reason, but I was really pregnant, like yeah. eight months pregnant. And again, they stuck me in the front. They're like, you stand here in the front since we're at a pro-choice, but like you're pro-choice, even though you're having a baby. Um, I will tell you at the pink pussy hat women's March, I was in, uh, where were we? We were in, maybe we were in, oh, in Sacramento. My sister-in-law lived there at the time and I was there with my husband and her and her son. And we, we said, let's, I wanted to just go see it as a journalist, but I did not march in it. I kind of just observed it. Uh, marching in protests is definitely not my thing. I don't want to, we've said this, I've said this a thousand times on this show. I don't want to be part of anybody's movement. I don't want to be called anything pro this, anti that anything but like mother and writer. That's it. And, and and is that, so I feel the same way, but I, for many years 
felt quite a bit of like shame and guilt about that. Like, I just, I don't want to be part of a protest and I would be friends with, like a lot of my friends are very active, you know, and I just would be like, I don't want to go. And I find protests kind of annoying at their base level. I'm just like, ugh. but I feel bad about that. And I don't know. I mean, I did go, I did go to a protest in 2000 and I guess it's two against the Iraq war when it first broke out. I mean, I I wasn't comfortable with what was happening. I thought, you know, I I feel strongly about this. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go join this. This will make me feel good. And then what ended up happening, which is just like I I go and I'm standing next to the guy that's got the like Bush equals Hitler sign, and I'm just like I don't I don't feel comfortable. It's it and they're leading chants. I don't like that. I hate audience participation. Like everything about it is sort of like rubbing me the wrong way. And I have a lot of friends that are very invigorated by this kind of thing. Um, I am not. I think invigorated is, is the right word. And we're going to talk a little bit about the sort of three different articles came out yesterday on the same day, which proves that it's sort of in the, uh, cultural atmosphere about, um, about, protesting and what's happening now. But before we get to those, I'm, I am not invigorated by being in a crowd where I am expected to either wear the same thing that everybody's wearing, i.e. a pussy hat or a little pink hat, or where, uh, where you're expected to say the same thing, not just say it, but chant it, but shout it like, like these little bite-sized incantations. Like I'm changing the world by being out here and I'm with my people. I feel like absolutely the opposite. I'm like, get this fucking itchy sweater off of me and let me make some decisions for myself. And the way I do that is obviously by observing, uh, and you know, listening and writing and reading and all this stuff, not by going out there and like making my voice heard. I don't, I think you're, you're, you're basically becoming, um, invisible, deliberately invisible to be part of the movement or mob or whatever you want to call it. And it is not appealing to me. Plus I'm really, really don't like to be in a, like in a crowded space. I'll tell you a quick story. We went to um, the Tacoma Dome years ago to go see Rammstein, this band Rammstein, German band Rammstein, which I, yeah. which I love. They're crazy. Yeah. And we were up kind yeah. of near the stage and it's kind of crowded, you know, and all of a sudden there were these pyrotechnics going on on the stage, which got at least I thought out of hand. I actually thought it was a mistake and that we were going to now burn down in the Tacoma Dome and I was beelining toward the exit. Like I saw yeah. that exit. I'm like, I am gone. And my husband's like, baby, baby, baby. It's part of the show. I don't want to be part of the show. I don't, I don't like it. I don't feel comfortable. Well, I don't even lie. I don't like those big festival concerts, no. you know, like Austin City Limits or like when I was a music editor, I went to a couple of those like Ozfest and Vans tour, Vans Warp tour. Like I'm so like I'm so uncomfortable at those things. Yeah. Um it makes you wonder. It makes you wonder how many other people are, but they do it anyway because they either like their friends are doing it or like what do you what do you you don't want to be part of the solution? Come on, come well, on. Yeah, like, that's that's actually what I wonder because so many of my friends have gone to these things. It, I've always felt a little alone in my distaste for wanting to do this. But of course, there's never a protest movement to acknowledge that you don't like protest movements. <laughs> no, well, like, where is where is our voice? Where is our solidarity march? 
right here, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's let's get to it. So three pieces came out yesterday, basically talking about obviously there are a lot of protests going on right now. There are pro-Israel protests. There are pro-Palestinian protests, and the latter seem to be larger. Um, or and or they are getting a lot more press. There was one. Uh, there's one today in Washington D.C. I know a lot of people are that the pro-Israeli protest going on in yes. D.C. today. That's um, supposed to be huge. Yeah, I was there. I was in D.C. over the weekend. I was, we were like, darn it! If timing had been different, we could have stayed. I would have gone, but it didn't. I'm back in New you York City. You would have gone to that march. You would have gone to that. I would have probably gone for several reasons. I know a bunch of people that were flying in from different parts of the country to attend. Mm -hmm. um, because they feel very one our 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 dear friend Hayaleo, who's been on the show, was coming in from Long Beach, California. A bunch mm -hmm. of Fifth Column people were going, um, or fans, Fifth Column fans. I probably would have gone. Yes, um, I've been writing a lot about this, and I think I I probably would have gone. I don't know how comfortable I would have felt. I don't know how long I would have stayed. I might have like the Sacramento protest, dipped off and got a drink somewhere like <laughs> very quickly. Right. Um, but in any case, this is there was a there was a a a, a uh, one in DC last weekend, pro-Palestinian, apparently clocked in at around 300,000. I don't know if those numbers are verified, but yeah. it was massive. So three pieces dropped yesterday. And we, we started talking about this. It's like, it's in the atmosphere, baby. And one is by Tom Nichols in the Atlantic called The Juvenile Viciousness of Campus Antisemitism, but it also had to do with, with the protests that they're staging. The other was by Adam uh, Levin- Already, who I know who is a friend who was in Newsweek. I've got a boy, you want to want to put both barrels title on this one. <clears throat> it's time mm -hmm. to see the left for what it is, a bunch of screaming, screeching babies and those afraid of them. I wonder <laughs> oh, where he stands on yeah, this. Yeah, I don't know where he stands on this. And then my piece, which dropped yesterday, which I had titled um, Humanity is Hard, Protesting is Easy. I loved that title, by the way. I think you win the title war. I think so, too, if you don't mind. I loved that title. Yeah, yeah. it was really good. It's um, true. Humanity is hard. Protesting is easy. Protesting is easy. You, why do you think, like, there has been such a resurgence of protesting? This is, and, and you know, I looked this up online to see if I was correct about this. And and in fact, like, the, the, the latest thing I could find was from 2021, you know, so it's even gone further since then. But it said something like, um, you know, globally, <clears throat> uh, the protest movements around the world have more than tripled in the last 15 years. Why do you think, pro why do you think the 21st century has been the decade of protest? Well, I, I've actually thought and written a lot about this. Um, I think it started with Occupy Wall Street, uh, which sort of, you know, kind of caught on, became a conflagration across the world. It was in, in all kinds of cities and maybe all kinds of countries. I don't know. But I really think, and I wrote this in my piece yesterday, I believe that around 2014, 2015, um, especially with the sort of Trump animus, People really 2014 is when I'm starting to see those things in like Ferguson, Missouri, and you know, like around the police, the protests mm -hmm. of police shootings mm -hmm. that and are really right. getting huge. People are coming from out of town. It's like an event. Mm -hmm. It's it's almost in a weird way like a concert, like a must see event. I think when people feel helpless, or when they feel like they've been helpless, or that they've been victimized, all of a sudden here are these 20,000 other people and we're going to be speaking in one voice. Some people try to work quietly. 
some people try to work politically, other people take it to the streets. I mean, we've been, you know, they, people have done this forever. You can go back. I mean, as long as any kind of history you read, people have taken their grievances to the streets. Sometimes it winds up in the French revolution. Sometimes it winds up in, in, in the, in the movement in the sixties. Sometimes it goes really bad and you get the weather underground. Um, but I think in this country, at least since about 2014, 2015, and certainly since Trump was the nominee, there was so much animus and so much bile and rage and impotency and not believing that this was possibly going to happen to this country, that people just started to march in protest. And it felt like you were doing something and maybe you were going to get somewhere. And then Trump became the president and that feeling of needing to to show your anger sort of just needed new and further hosts. And what did those hosts become? They became Me Too. They became DEI. They became arguments over COVID. They became, in the biggest of them all, the the killing of uh, by police of George Floyd. And yeah. we have become, or not, I'm using the royal we here, we have become addicted to the way protesting makes us feel. It is a, I, I can tell you this very definitely from having covered the Portland protest, it is a sort of near orgasmic feeling to be out in the street. You are just like all saying the certain, I mean, what is every every sort of, you know, if you want to hypnotize yourself, you say the same thing over and over and over, or you, or you hypoventilate, or you march in step. This is what happens. It becomes incantatory, <laughs> excuse me, and people get addicted to this feeling. They want the next thing to, to feel like they're making change about, to be angry about, to, to celebrate. And, you know, all of a sudden, well, I don't know what we were arguing about most recently, but as soon as October 7th happened, it was very clear. It was very clear to a lot of more radical students and progressives who you were going to, who the enemy was and, and who the villains were. And that is why we can say people, we can see people um, blaming Israel for the massacre on October 7th. Now we can get into what has happened since and what is happening right at this minute, which is horrible and the devastation is horrible. Um, but you definitely do see people blaming the Israelis for their own deaths. And also, as I put in my in my piece yesterday, you know, we, we're talking about a generation of people who would go to the mat over dead naming. You know, you dead name someone or yeah. you use the wrong pronoun. And basically that is grounds for you are out. You are fired. You are shamed. But 1,400, 1,200 murdered people and 250 kidnapped, that's fine. It's fine. They had it coming. And obviously I'm exaggerating here, knee-jerk Nancy. Um, but you do see people completely discounting it and basically saying, listen, they had it coming. They had it coming, which I, I actually do not know how to process. And that is why I keep writing all these pieces. And that's why I go and see the documentary because I'm trying to figure out how to process all of this and, and try to make it make any sense. Um, so and and I also think when um, at these protests, though, there is a problem, you know, when you talk about speaking with one voice. I mean, one of the things I notice in the coverage of these protests is that they often tend to get remembered or depicted by the most extreme person with the person with the Bush's Hitler sign. Right. right. So like in in at this University of Maryland protest, there was somebody had written Holocaust 2.0 on the street. Well, that's horrible. Yeah. And apparently they were, they were actually talking about how, 
Hello, Smoke and We've Got Them listeners. If you are hearing this, that means you have just listened to the free portion of our, oh, I don't know, bi-weekly episodes with Sarah Heppla. Sarah Heppla, who's just so busy right now, she could not record this little uh, interim moment for you. Um, we're happy to have you here as a free subscriber. If you'd like the entire episodes, please go over to smokeempodcast.substack.com and sign up and subscribe. Then you will get the full episodes every week, plus some special things we drop for you on the weekends and our monthly, our first Sunday Zooms. Again, to get the full fig, that is smokeempodcast.substack.com.